<clears throat> hey, Reg, how you doing, my friend? Yes, yes, the nasal is slowly leaving. It's still there a bit, but not as much. I think I've, I was able to, um, to overcome it without a major, major cold, but I was congested. I did have the nasal for a while, but it wasn't as bad as, as in the past and no sore throat, so that's good. Thank you for asking. <laughs> All right, are we ready to go, my friend? Okay, cool. Uh, put it in the book, episode 404, 404 today. Wow, pretty cool. All right, three S's, star, smile, strong. Get the trigger finger, finger ready. Okay, here we go. Three, two, one. Hey, it's Elton Jim Toronto, and this is Captain Podtastic. And welcome to another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Every Monday, a new episode is posted at WGNRadio.com. Or wherever you go to find... Whoa, what happened there? Slow down. No, no, we lost all our audio. Yeah, sorry, what happened? Start over, my friend. (laughs) Okay, here we go. Three, two, one. Hey, it's Elton Jim Toronto, and this is Captain Pot... Whoa! Reg, having a tough day today. Here we go again. (laughs) Three, two, one. Hey, it's Elton Jim Toronto, and this is Captain Podtastic. And welcome to another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Every Monday, a new episode is posted at WGNRadio.com or wherever you go to find your favorite podcast. We are there. And don't forget to tell your friends, tell your family, tell anybody who listens to a podcast that your favorite podcast is, in fact, Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Listening is important. But spreading the word is right up there, too. Your effort, your loyalty, and your devotion are all greatly appreciated. Don't forget, if you like what you hear, you can go to WGNRadio.com. You can go to Prompt for Podcast. And then within that, there's another Prompt for this podcast. And then when you hit that one... Fire in the hole. Get ready. What you are going to find are just podcast after podcast after podcast after podcast. Topic after topic after topic after topic. Information loaded podcast after information loaded podcast. And to quote the Beach Boys, fun, fun, fun. Just keep Scrolling down and loading more. There's a lot in there. What the heck? This is episode number 404. 404. Welcome to the podcast. Hmm. So, um, interesting uh, week. 
we had the uh, the Super Bowl, which um, I was telling people I thought this was going to be a really good game. If you're a football fan, I think that the that though that matchup. I thought that matchup of the Kansas City Chiefs versus the San Francisco 49ers was going to be a very good football game. And I think it turned out to be exactly that. And I also was telling friends, you know, you know it was a the, the point spread was was, you know, 2 points, 1 point maybe. The, the teams were very even. Surprisingly, a slight edge to the 49ers since they had a better record and a lot of better stats over the um, over the season. But my view was, wow, I get all that. I get all your analytics. I get all your stats, all your number crunching down to, uh, you know, how many blades of grass are on the field. I get all that. Some people are really sports obsessed and they get into the uh, into the woods, if you will. But uh, I, my simple observation was it's hard to bet against Patrick Mahomes. And it proved to be exactly that. He didn't have the greatest game, but he had a great game when it counted toward the end. And I'm not here to talk about football necessarily, uh, but the Super Bowl game does represent what I want to talk about in a bigger um, in a bigger notion, bigger picture. Um, I've talked many times, and, and I think it's starting to really come to fruition now, and maybe actually go in another area that I I never expected, per se. I've been talking about the entertainment world. I love entertainment. I'm a pop culture junkie. Admittedly, I'm probably more stuck in the past than I am in the present. For instance, I don't know about you, but uh, I didn't know. I did know. I did know one or two of the people that came out during Usher's uh, halftime show, but did not know them by sight. Twenty twenty years ago, thirty years ago, forty years ago, whoever was performing as the main attraction and then if there were people that came out i would have known who they were by sight even if they were the most uh you know insignificant person i would have known that uh i i know the the super bowl halftime show especially is not aimed at me anymore in my age group it is aimed at uh older gen xers and um and millennials and uh that's just not my not my music. Never was, even at the time. I'm right on the cusp of a of a Gen Xer and a baby boomer, so I I I, I do fall into the Gen X category. But um, you know, I'm right on the cusp of it. And uh, but I never was. I was. I've always been into you know, into rock music and instruments and things like that. I just never got into rap. People say, "Oh, well, you're too old for that." No, no, no. When I was, when I was, when rap started to really get into the mainstream. Now, I don't know if there's a rewriting of history going on. I've been seeing lately quite a few uh, stories and documentaries and things about you know this is the 50th anniversary of hip hop. Uh, look, I, I'm not, I'm not lying. Uh, 
it might it may well be you know rap and hip hop may, may may well have been uh first discovered or created 50 years ago in 1973 the way it's being defined that that's when it would be but certainly it was not reflected in mainstream music it may have been created it may have been a niche music uh, but it you know played by uh, you know people in in uh, you know very small areas perhaps in big urban cities but it wasn't the mainstream music yes there there certainly were african american um performers and in the 70s especially no question uh they dominated the music charts if you go back and look at the billboard uh, music charts especially the the singles charts the the billboard hot 100 uh African American artists are all over the place. For every, uh, you know, Donny Osmond and David Cassidy and Bobby Sherman, <laughs> uh, and uh, and One Hit Wonder or Teeny Bopper or even uh, you know rock and roll, uh, uh, you know band, whether it would be the Stones and Led Zeppelin or uh, you, you name it, and, and and pop superstars at the time, obviously like Elton John and. And uh, and David Bowie, yes, there was certainly it was dominated by uh, by by white people to great extent, but but African Americans, I, I I don't even I I couldn't even say that white people dominated it. African American artists uh, had a huge huge impact and representation uh, on on mainstream pop music radio. So no question about that, but. It was more. It, it was more of an R and B, and uh, and dis- later in the seventies, disco, uh, you know, and even some blues, but more R and B type of, um, of 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 music and pop. Now, you know, you can argue that the Motown sound that was created in the sixties uh, and did bleed over into the seventies certainly uh, was a mix of of blues and r&b uh and soul and funk i mean as i said before i mean uh groups like earth wind and fire and and uh parliament and things like that the ohio players those they all had huge huge number one hits but i don't know if i would i would classify that music as hip-hop or rap there may have been some early configurations of it, but may and maybe the house music and the uh, the music that that is tied to the origins of hip hop and and rap were beginning to be played and created in this in the early seventies. But uh, in terms of a an established musical form, I don't think rap and hip hop are fifty years old. But you know that that's beside the point. There's no question that rap uh, and later hip hop, but certainly rap began to take hold in the uh, in the from the mainstream. Now, once again, I'm 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 giving the disclaimer. I'm talking about mainstream popularity. There's no question that by the mid '80s, rap artists began to creep in, and 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 uh, you know, but the, you have to remember there was a um, a lot of flack in the early days of MTV. Uh, that they didn't play African-American artists. 
that most of the videos were all by white or you know white and and especially even British artists because that's where a lot of the the music videos were were the early ones were created. They weren't really a, a marketing tool in the United States as much as they were in Britain. And so when MTV started, they went and looked around for any available videos to play in a twenty four hour uh, you know music station. And so they did find, and that was really a key uh, driver for the second wave of the um, of the british invasion the new wave invasion in the 80s uh not so much because the music demanded it it's because it was a necessity mtv needed videos and so there were a lot of uh, uh, up and coming unknown british acts as well as future superstars like say the police and things like that but a lot of one hit wonders too that were were making videos as promotional tools to be played on a lot of the music shows that were on in um in Britain and throughout the UK so it wasn't necessarily driven by the quality of the music it was driven MTV's early days was driven by what was available and uh, as I've said many times, we are a visual society, and you show something enough to people on TV, and they and whether they know they whether they think they like it or not, or whether they originally like it or not, they will be they will come to like it. And it really took um, Michael Jackson's Thriller to break the 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 color barrier on MTV. The the and even and even right away, in fact, if you. If you look at Thriller, which came out in, uh, in like 82, 83, even then, um, it's a very, very well-calculated album. Um, you know, Billie Jean has uh, you know, the, the famous guitar solo by Eddie Van Halen. That's not by, that wasn't by accident. Uh, you know, Paul McCartney, uh, you know, did duets with Michael Jackson. Uh, Paul McCartney did duets with Stevie Wonder. Those are not just happenstance. Uh, those were very calculated to bring uh, a the 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 white music listener and the black listener into the mainstream to help bring black music more into the mainstream now nobody you know between michael jackson as a, as a member of the jackson five and stevie wonder as a solo artist uh i mean my gosh in terms of popularity grammy awards uh between the late 60s and in the early to mid 70s stevie wonder uh and of jackson five and then later michael jackson as a solo artist uh, into the into the eighties, uh, dominated music. No question about that. But at the same time, this idea of hip hop and and rap being a dominant music mainstream, I don't think that's true. I think there's a little rewriting of history, but uh, that's the world we're in today. You know, um, but there's no question that by the mid eighties, rap did become did begin its. Um, emergence as a mainstream music once again i would argue uh due to a collaboration with a white pop rock band aerosmith and run dmc the rap group did a version of uh aerosmith's walk this way 
with a rap beat in it. That song became huge for both Run DMC. It, it, it elevated them into the upper echelons uh, of of the pop music world at the time, and it actually helped Aerosmith, which was viewed at that time in like 1984, 85, viewed as kind of a uh, you know an old has been rock band and and brought them back into uh the mainstream awareness and then of course by the late 80s and in early 90s they had a complete uh band renaissance uh so there's no question that uh you know that that the music has evolved but as i said before i think that um you know, rap music and hip hop now uh, are the dominant musics of the pop scene, no question. And um, and that is being reflected by the Super Bowl uh, choices. If you look at the last several years, they've been hip hop and rock or and rap oriented because that's where the music world is. I've heard Usher's music, but I. Didn't know the majority of the songs. If you talk to somebody that was, uh, you know, a millennial or a um, a Gen Xer at the time, uh, oh, they knew everything. Rap just wasn't my bag, if you will. Um, once again, I've said many times, I like, uh, you know, I like melodies and 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 lyrics that that that. that um, that, uh, you know, don't just rhyme. <laughs> I don't like manufactured music. I never liked dance music. I was never a big fan of disco or even all the, the, the dance music of the 80s. That wasn't my thing. I, I, I like real instruments uh, and, 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 and performances, uh, you know, singer-songwriters. That's my thing. And so uh, it's nothing against the other stuff. I certainly appreciate it. You can't argue with success. And there's certainly, after watching the Super Bowl halftime show and, and seeing some of the reactions, it was really based on age. If you were a, if you were a uh, a Gen Xer, uh, you know, uh, say 45 years old, and that's I think how old Usher is, or younger, because now you've been raised on that music, on hip hop music. If you're if you're a millennial and certainly a Gen Zer or a Gen Y. Um, Everybody said this was the greatest halftime show ever. Ever. And uh, and I really don't even believe that rock bands, rock acts, will ever be on the halftime show anymore. I don't I just think rock is I've said many times here, rock is is a is on its way to becoming a niche sound, a niche music just like jazz that was once dominant. Rock's had a long Long run, but I think in another 10 years, that's what you're going to see. Now, I bring this up just to say that this nice little musical <laughs> musical history, I bring this up because it, it plays to what I, what I want to talk about here. The way we are viewing entertainment and really consuming entertainment is changing and that's no great insight um obviously in the last five years and and do greatly due to covid uh the entertainment world has been flipped on its on its head in terms of 
the way the industry itself has has run and has had to run in all aspects movies especially movie theaters music and television especially with the emergence of the streaming services which really took hold when people were indoors with nothing much to do except watch television and i've said in the last few years here but i'm really beginning i think i'm my predictions, I think, are beginning to come true, but but they're also taking a different tack, which which I I didn't necessarily foresee, and which worries me. And that's what I want to really talk about today. Like I've said, when when you see network television today, which used to have a stranglehold on our television viewing options and habits. At one time, there was only three networks. You really didn't have much of a choice. Then in the mid-'80s, thanks in great part to what we talked about before, MTV, MTV really helped drive the acceptance and the demand, I want my MTV, of cable in the mid-'80s. And it's really been the dominant television viewing transmission technology for almost 40 years. But then streaming came by thanks to net to Netflix about what maybe 10 years ago in its infancy. Uh if you were an early adopter and uh it really changed everything. And and when you look at network television today and I've said this before um I believe that ultimately Network television, it's it's practically there now. As I said, I think my prediction, I, I made this prediction maybe five, six, seven years ago, if not more. I think I'm seeing it come to fruition. It happens gradually. I don't know if even the, the majority of, of viewers um, notice it. But right now, if you watch network television, there is a smattering of original programming. And I'm by network television, I mean CBS, ABC, uh, NBC, Fox, and a few of those other little smaller, the UPNs and the CWs and things like that. I don't even know if UPNs even around anymore, to be honest. <laughs> there's, there's, there, I'm dating myself there. The CW. Um, there are a smattering of original programs, dramas and comedies, but not like there used to be. The seasons themselves are shorter. They're beginning to mimic the streaming offerings of, you know, I mean, before television shows used to have 25 to 30 episodes a year. A year. There's like the Andy Griffith show from the 60s. There's like 28 episodes a season. Now I think a, uh, I think a, a regular program may barely have 20, if that. And this year, for instance, with the, with the, with the writer's strike, many of the newer shows weren't able to film during the summer when they usually would. And so most of the seasons, I put that in quotes, this year are going to be running from right now, just you know, last week or so, uh, from February probably till May. And that's considered a season. The show Young Sheldon, for example, in its final season, the last episodes, original episodes, and it started you know February 15th. 
And I'm sure it will go until probably May and maybe early June, but that's certainly not a full season like it used to be when they would start in September or October. So our tastes, our viewing habits have, have, have greatly changed over the last five years especially, even a couple of years before COVID, but, but certainly COVID cemented it and, and, and it was thrust upon us. And so I'm, I, I, five years ago, six years ago, eight years ago, 10 years ago, I made the prediction I could see where things were going. And I said, basically, network television is going to be comprised of three or four kind of major things. Sporting events, award shows, reality shows. And that's pretty much what network television is right now, right? I mean, what other kind of shows are there? I would throw in also primetime game shows. Another throwback from the early days of television. Now we've got primetime versions of Price is Right and Let's Make a Deal and, uh, and uh, Press Your Luck and uh, $100,000 Pyramid and Password. I mean, these are all shows that are 50 years old, if not older. Jeopardy goes back to the 60s. Uh, you know, some of these go back to radio days. Price is Right, one of the first uh, shows ever. That show is probably over sixty or fifty years old, probably. At least, well, in, in its in its original incarnation, came out in the sixties. Its newer version is now fifty years old when Bob Barker, but it started with Bill Cullen. So those are those pretty much. That's network television. Yes, there are some dramas and there are some comedies, but they're not as dominant. Uh uh, we're seeing when people really watch television on a regular basis, it's for big event things like the Super Bowl, like uh, an award show, whether it's the Grammys or the Oscars or the Golden Globes. Obviously, the reality shows, which basically really took hold in probably the, 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 two, the early 2000s, maybe even in the year 2000, where Survivor, there was a few things before that. But uh, the real world on MTV was probably the first one to hit the United States that really took hold. But, but it was Survivor on, once again, a network where most eyes are still uh, because it's free. Uh, it was Survivor that brought that when it was so popular that first season that really opened the floodgates for, uh, for reality television. So that's what television that's what network television is down to now pretty much in terms of it, the most eyes. Yes, they have some shows, but they're not getting close to the viewers that they used to back like in the 70s and 80s when you had all in the family or or golden girls or things like that where you had tens of millions of people every week. You know, the, the late night talk shows a couple of million. Uh, Johnny Carson used to get that on an off night. I mean, you know, two million, one point, you know, two two million is nothing compared to what the Tonight Show used to draw back in the seventies and eighties and sixties, certainly. So we're down to that. That's network television. Then now you've got your other, you know, complementary things. You've either got cable or a satellite, or more. Some people are cutting the cord and getting rid of their satellite, and they're just. Uh, you know, subscribing to to streaming services, 
you know, like Netflix and Hulu and Disney Plus, and then also other things to get some free TV, like YouTube channel, but mostly internet-based. So I, so what I figured, that was my, that was kind of my view of the world. You know, they wanted, they want to give. There's always a, a, a growing concern about providing access, free access, to those very popular kinds of programmings. Like I said before, sporting events, major sporting events, and um, and award shows and things like that. There's always a concern by the government that there's free television for people that can't afford all these other streaming services that they, they they should still have a right to 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 watch and enjoy entertainment if they can't afford to buy it it should be available free so i don't think the networks are ever going away at least i never thought that but some things have happened recently that have me changing my mind i always thought that the networks would be around forever because of that reason at the end of the day, there always will be or should be, I would have thought, free entertainment. Over the air, free entertainment. You use an antenna, you turn it on, you don't pay a bill. You don't get a bill to watch Young, young Sheldon. You don't get a bill to watch, uh, you know, whatever, SWAT. <laughs> or uh, Abbott Elementary, you don't get you don't get a bill for that. But the popularity of sports, especially, and its ravenous appetite to grow and make more money, is creeping into my original prediction. And it's and it's and it's a little scary, it's it's a little frightening, and it's a little sad. The Super Bowl, from my standpoint, heightened that. You know, it's become the major television viewing event, right? Everybody watches the Super Bowl, whether you're a fan or not. Everybody, you know, has parties. Everybody talks about the commercials. Uh, this year, the added bonus of the Taylor Swift and uh, Travis Kelsey romance uh, brought the Super Bowl into a whole new era and a whole new segment. Brought a whole new audience of Swifties, of young women that range from teenagers to 30s, all, I should mention, key demographics for advertising, which network television loves. You could be tired and sick and tired of Travis Kelsey and and Taylor Swift, but, but believe me, the networks and the NFL are not. And every other sport is hoping that one of their superstars meets a famous actress or singer 
and brings that attention to them. I guarantee you that in the in the meeting rooms of the uh, Major League Baseball or the National Basketball Association or the National Hockey League, they're sitting around going, how do we get a Taylor Swift to date one of our players? Uh, that fell into the NFL's lap, but it has turned out to be a gold mine for viewership, for advertising rights and f- uh, rates, and for expanding the sport, which every sport wants. More eyes. More eyes watching equals more money made. And sadly, that's that's always driven uh, the entertainment world. But now you see in the sports world, and I put entertain sports into that category of entertainment. But you see even more now. Uh, the the NFL is you know is 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 easily not just one of the biggest sports industries. It's probably getting close to, if not passing up, our major businesses. I don't think it's reached the the size of Amazon, but it's it's certainly in the same conversation, and it would love to be in 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 the same uh, small little club as Amazon or Google in terms of revenues. And so, a certain thing now that that's that's troubling me in this Super Bowl heightened it, and I think maybe even made it more possible in the in the wake of it. I'm not sure if you were aware. If you're not a sports fan, uh, you might not know, but this, this concerns you if you watch any kind of entertainment because ultimately it's going to affect you. It might start with sports, but it will continue to, to, to trickle down. I'm sure you already have at least one streaming service, if not more. Many of you have probably already cut the cord. To some extent, I'm preaching to the choir. But a a, a worrisome uh, experiment took place during this season in the, in the NFL. We've already seen that the streaming services have shown their popularity. So much so that the networks are all in the streaming world. The major entertainment entities who produce programming, like Warner Brothers and Comcast, who own the networks and who own cable services, They're obviously all in the streaming service. That's the future. That's the way it's viewed. Not only is it the technology viewed as the future, but it's a great revenue stream. Just as if, just like the cable world transformed us from always having free entertainment to getting us used to paying for the entertainment, going from free network television to pay services. Now we've got this anywhere, anytime uh, 
you know, option of the streaming service. You can watch it on your phone in a plane. You don't need the cord, right? Cutting the cord. The networks realize where the future is and where the money is. And we've already seen over the years when, once again, sports was, to me, you know, it was always the, the, you know, that's always on the free thing. But we've seen over the years now ESPN, a cable service, gets some football games. Now, granted, you can watch those. To be fair, once again, as I said, the fairness kind of uh, viewpoint, you can watch it on ESPN, but then local free television stations would also uh, show the programming. So for those who didn't have cable, they could still watch the games. We've seen baseball playoffs and and basketball playoffs go to and appear on cable-only stations like TNT or TBS, as well as the National Hockey League. Yes, they have a, a network national presence, but they also have a cable contingent for, for regular season games and playoffs. Football is the same. As I said, ESPN gets a game. Then... And that's cable, but then boom, the real one was when Amazon got a a weekly game. You have to pay, you have to have a subscription to Amazon to watch one of the football games. They were no longer free. That was a a priority, a, you know, a, a priority. Uh, Programming. You had to pay to watch certain games. Amazon got into the NFL. But that was regular season games. And you know what? I mean, some people are huge, huge football fans. They get the, you know, the the whole season pass where you can watch almost every game that's played every week. And so there's so many football games on on a Sunday and a you know on a and a Monday and a Thursday now. I mean, football really dominates. Even during the playoffs, they're on Saturdays. And so I think the view was, well, uh, we're talking about the fairness kind of doctrine here of everybody gets to watch the free stuff, even if you can't afford it. But it was like, you know, there's so many football games. Well, maybe we could go into bed with the... uh, with, with the streaming service for one game a week. It's just one game. You know, and you know the people in the in the local areas they can watch it too. So I mean, it's just one game a week. Give them one game, and so that quietly happened. And football fans and the market accepted it. And if you're a football fan, you had to make a decision. Uh, if I want to watch every game, some people, as I said, they get these these packages that were they have access to every football game. And if they want that, then they will pay that. There's no question. We People will pay for what they want, even if it seems unfair, even if they don't enjoy doing it, if it, it's a be part of their lifestyle, it's a part of their behaviors, of, of things they like, they will find a way to add that extra, you know, $10, $12, $15 a month. They will find a way to put that into their budget. 
whether they overspend or they cut back on something, if they want something uh, bad enough, they will find a way to afford it, right? That's what we do. (laughs) And so the streaming services got into the football market for a regular season game. But this year in the playoffs, something new happened, which I think is the harbinger for the future. Now, I don't know when, but I think within the next five or five or six years, we're going to be seeing more of this. And it's going to be another way for the streaming services, many owned by independent companies, many owned by the same networks that bring you all those free things. Because they got to find a way to keep making money in a new system. I think, and it surprises me, that we are going to see these major events that I'm talking about that I've always said would be the the bedrock of network television while there's all these other shows and uh, and 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 priority shows that are just on certain things like you know Apple Apple TV only has the morning show and Netflix only has this show and uh you know uh, HBO Max only has this show and you make your decisions. You know, Paramount Plus only has this show. And you make your decisions. It's not like before. I mean, even when you got cable, the good thing about cable was if you had a basic system, you basically got all the major cable networks and you could watch all of them. But now there is a decision to be made. I don't have Apple TV, for example. There's a lot of shows I like to see that get nominated for Emmys, that have all the buzz. Uh, I don't. I don't see them. I've seen a few things when I'm on a plane sometimes, and they have the free service there, and I get to watch like two or three free episodes. So I've seen a show like Severance, which I really liked, and the morning show, but I haven't seen full seasons, just two or three episodes from a couple of seasons over the years. So that's there. I'm already not in the in the. And completely engulfed by the pop culture. These are major shows with major stars. Morning show especially, Jennifer Aniston, Reese Witherspoon. Really not on my regular radar screen or my regular viewing because I don't have Apple TV. First time I've sort of been outside of a pop culture revolution. Because how many of these can you, I mean... How many streaming services can you can you uh, you know enroll in? You have to make some decisions. I don't have Paramount Plus. I'd like to see the the new Frasier reboot. I saw the couple episodes that were shown on free TV, and then the rest, I don't know. I don't know what it's like. I love the Frasier, the original Frasier show. It was on NBC for, for decades, but I can't watch the reboot now. I don't have Paramount Plus. I can't I can't keep adding twelve ninety nines and fifteen ninety nines all the time. There has to be a uh, you know, is 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 Frasier worth uh you know a uh, hundred and fifty bucks a year? 
10 episodes, you have to start to weigh that. But now, when you start to see, for the first time, a regular season football game, okay, no big deal on a streaming service. We'll give you that. It's one. But this year, for the first time, a playoff game was on the Peacock Network, which is owned by NBC. You had to have a subscription to the Peacock Network to watch this one playoff game. And it was a good playoff game. Ultimately, it, it was featuring the Super Bowl champs, that you know, the last year's football Super Bowl champs, and now the, the this year's Super Bowl champs, the Kansas City Chiefs. So they picked a key game with a lot of interest, and it was basically blacked out to a majority of the football fans. Now, once again, like I said, there's so many games during the season, okay? So one game a year, one game a week is not that big of a deal that, that, that you don't see. You could watch your fill on free TV of football games if you like football. But when it gets down to the, the playoffs, now this is where it really matters. You know, there's 17 football games a season. There's, you know, 30-some teams. So the season games, you know, yeah, there's a good game, but it, they're, they're, the stakes aren't as high. But if you're a football fan, if you're any kind of sports fan, the playoffs are what really count. And there's not as many of those games, so they're key games to begin with, and there's a stake in them, especially in football. Every game is an elimination. In baseball and in basketball and in hockey, they have series. The best of seven, the best of five. But in football, one game determines if you continue to go through. So each one of the football playoffs games have higher stakes, higher importance, higher drama, if they're a good game. And so if you're a football fan, you want to watch all those playoff games. And for the first time in history, if you didn't have a pay service, a specific pay service, you couldn't watch one of the playoff games. Now, I don't have, now, even in Peacock, once again, I was talking about all these different, um, these different services. Now, what they've even done within the service, some of them say, oh, well, Peacock's for free. But then if you want to watch what they consider premium programming, you got to pay the $5.99 or the $10.99. So even though it's free, you get a, and you just get a, a small little offering of free entertainment on Peacock. If you want the real, the stuff that you really want to watch, there's a premium for that. You got to sign up. There's another $10.99. There's another $15.99, whatever it may be. And there was a lot of flack. There were even legislators in the House of Representatives and the Senate were saying uh, to this point that I said earlier about you know free television and, and allowing uh, the majority of people that maybe can't afford this stuff to be able to still have the free entertainment. Not only were some of these senators and, 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 and representatives football fans who might not have had Peacock, they just wanted to watch the games for themselves as fans, but then they also were looking at it from their job of representing the people and saying, is this fair 
that a, that a, that an NFL playoff game is now only viewed by those who can afford it. So the N, the NFL implemented this. They took a lot of flack for it, but they did it. And that's the thing. They took a lot of criticism. Obviously, there was less people that watched it on free TV. Like I said, the Super Bowl gets 115 million people. I'm not sure how many people watched the Kansas City um, playoff game on, on Peacock, but it certainly could not have been close to the eyes, if you will, that would have watched that game if it were for free. But this was an experiment. The NFL was dipping its toes into seeing, and and, and Peacock was smart. They were offering low uh, subscription rates so people for, would, uh, you know, jump on and, and, and subscribe to Peacock because if you were a diehard football fan, you want to see every one of those games. Now, people could have subscribed and then, Canceled their subscription, I guess. I'm not sure if they were you were allowed to do that. I'm sure that if people could do that, a lot of people did that just to watch the game. But think about this. Even if people did that, and ultimately they they signed up for the for the service of Peacock, which they got, and then say they canceled it the next week. Okay. They still paid the five ninety nine or whatever it was, there was a special rate. But even if ten million people did that. Let's. Let, I'm, I'm not. I'm, some people already may have had peacocks. So let's say, let's say five million people or three million people did that. Three million times five ninety nine or six dollars. Not a bad little take. Even it was. Even if it was a one shot thing, and maybe the the goal obviously was well, since they already bought it for five ninety nine, well, I'll keep peacock. So now all of a sudden they got you, and you 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 were motivated into and, and maybe somehow enticed and even tricked, I might, might even say, to subscribe to Peacock when, when, when if that football game was not on, you would not have even thought about subscribing to Peacock. So it's a little insidious. And as I said, uh, Roger Goodell, who's the commissioner of football and football in general, took some heat from many different sectors Fans were in an uproar, obviously, but even legislators. You know, the, you know, the our viewing is still under the auspices, if you will, of the government, the F, the uh, the FCC. And there was a lot of talk that uh, you know by a lot of senators that said this is not fair. This should not continue. But. There's money to be made. And the NFL right now has the clout and the popularity to do that. To influence legislators, even if they don't think it's in the best interest of the people. Oh, it's just one game? When you open up the floodgates... When there's just, you know, if you've ever had plumbing or a leak somewhere, you know that one little leak, if you don't, if you don't fix that leak, that little leak becomes a big leak. and Pretty soon it becomes a big hole and pretty soon it's an overflow. And I think that this playoff game that was on Peacock was 
the little leak that was allowed to leak. And it came and went, and I wouldn't be surprised if we see it again. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see maybe one game a weekend over during the, the in the in the future one game a weekend not just one game throughout the entire playoff season one game well one game eh, one game what's a big deal it's not a big deal until it's two games and it's not a big deal until it's one game a week during the playoffs because I told you, there's only X amount of playoff games, and each one is important. Each one has high stakes in it, especially if you're a sports fan. And I wouldn't be surprised if somewhere down the line, the Super Bowl becomes a pay event. If that happens, it really is the end of network television. I mean, right now, the Super Bowl and I think like Sunday night football, those are the highest rated television shows, period. It's football are the highest rated television shows, period. During the, during the regular season of television, network television, football is the number one viewed entertainment. It's not a sitcom. It's not. A reality show. It's not a drama. It's a sporting event. It's football. It's the number one show. It's not 60 Minutes. (laughs) There was a time in the 70s and 80s that the number one shows were All in the Family and 60 Minutes and Family Ties and Golden Girls and things like this and Dallas and, you know, scripted television shows, entertainment shows. But so many of those shows or those types of shows have gone to pay services, whether it's in cable or or streaming services, because they have the freedom to have more interesting storylines, some more aggressive language, uh, sex. If it's pay, they can do that. Network television has certain... You know, uh, guidelines that they can't show nudity. They can't swear. So people in today's world are like, well, I want reality. And so they've gone. You wouldn't, I mean, basically it was, you know, shows like, um, you know, The Sopranos was a major uh, show that brought people to cable. It was a number one show. It was beating network shows that was unheard of at the time. Because even though cable was 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 huge, It still wasn't in the majority of the country, and yet a show on cable was beating network television. That was huge. And that's where we're at now. But what's scary about this, you say, well, Jim, well, if that really happened, then what's what's scary about it? What's scary about it is that we are not going to have much free entertainment, I don't think. I never thought I would say that we won't have that at all. I, I mean, I, I said it would be relegated to these big event types of things, and we would go for our our, our dramatic and our comedy uh, scripted shows probably to more streaming services. But we, but at least network television would have the bedrock, those most popular mass popular events like sporting events, Super Bowls, World Series, like the Academy Awards, things like that. But now, I'm not so sure. And that's scary. 
Because here's the thing. Now, if the NFL, I, I think if the NFL looks at this season, as I said at the beginning of this podcast, it was a really good game. This year's Super Bowl was a very good game. The teams were 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 evenly matched. Uh, the first the first couple of uh, quarters were low scoring. The defenses were uh, were dominating. Now, some people said, "Oh, well, it wasn't a good game at the beginning. It was boring. Nobody was scoring." Well. If you like the sport, you enjoyed that. I'd rather see a 2 to 1 baseball game than a 10 to 12 baseball game with with a million home runs. I enjoy the sport. I enjoy the playing. During that football game in those early quarters, the first 3 quarters really, the game was a little sloppy. You could see that nerves were taking over and the two teams were playing well. The offenses were not dominating. Yes, nobody scored, but the defenses were playing so much better. So any mistake would take on huge proportions, which happened. That's what happened. That's how the game turned. On that punt that hit the San Francisco player in the foot and gave Kansas City this great field position and they scored, boom. The momentum and the game changed on that play because when 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 there is a tight game, when the defenses are dominating, and there's low-scoring games going on. The offenses are not just racking up points at will. The, the, the tension and the nerves and the strategy become much more important because any little mistake takes on huge proportions and could change the game, and that's what happened. So if you're a sports fan, if you're a football fan, I think, at least from my standpoint, that was a great game. When the defenses were were constantly making the other team's punt, some people would say, oh, this is boring. There's no touchdowns. No, this is a great game. This is the way the game is supposed to be played. And and, and you have to realize then of the, the subtext of what's going on in those players. You saw Travis Chelsea yelling at, at Andy Reid, the coach, put me back in. He was You could see in his face he bumped the coach. That's unheard of. But the passions were, hey, we can't lose this game. I don't know what he was saying to Andy Reid, put me in or do something, but my point is there was a lot on the line because the game was so tight, because nobody was dominating, because there weren't 85 touchdowns. That's why it was such a great game. It came down to overtime in regulation. You can't get much closer than that. But here's the thing. It's one thing to charge for... A known entity. Now, if the NFL looks at this season, they say, well, you know, we dipped our toe into charging people and having a f- one game on a streaming services, and some people did pay for it. We got some flack, but you know what? Uh, that's that's part that's the, that's the cost of doing business. When 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 there's new things, you have to ex- you got to expect there's going to be resistance to it by the majority of the people. But the more you do it, and if you've got a, a product that is in great demand, with time, if you keep doing it, people will slowly lose their anger toward it, lose their uh, you know their their negativity toward it, and they will comply. 
I remember when when cable television started. I said to my parents, "Geez, I you know I wanted my MTV. I was in my late teens, early twenty. I want my MTV." And the thought of paying for they didn't they they didn't even understand the what are you talking about paying for what? And they're going to come in with a cable. What are you talking about? Before they had a, the the antenna, on, what they're going to come into the house and they're going to drill holes in the wall and 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 put. The, what are you talking about? What's going on here? This doesn't make sense. And within five years, everyone had it. <laughs> Same thing here now. But here's the thing. Why I think this is a dangerous proposition. And it, it's dangerous because, as I said before, it's, 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 it's potentially leaving out a lot of people who may not be able to afford to pay for an event or may be adverse to doing that on a principle. I mean, I, I'll watch the Super Bowl for free, but I'm, I'm not that much of a Super Bowl or a football fan to, to, uh, that I, I could miss it. I'm not going to pay $12 for it. There's some fans that would have to pay it, no question. But here's the thing. If the NFL looks at this season, they say, uh, well, we, that, you know, this whole idea of putting uh, a playoff game on, a, on the streaming, ser- streaming service and, getting, and breaking that barrier and getting people used to it, we took some flack, but okay, we could say it's an experiment, but maybe next year we're going to sper- experiment it again. But they got lucky. They they chose the right team. They chose a team to to put that game for you know for for to pay the team that ultimately won the Super Bowl. But here's the thing: you never know know how that game's going to come out. Now the Super Bowl, you know, if 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 they ultimately put the Super Bowl on a streaming service exclusively. That's a major turning point for our entertainment uh, industry and our viewing. But here's the thing. Here's where the rub comes. Here's where I hope the NFL, instead of looking at things with dollar signs, they look at things with a reality. Yes, there's no question that that might make the most sense in the long term. Because they're making it, they're making a billions of dollars for the rights from the network to to uh, to televise that game, but ultimately they probably could make more money if it was on a streaming service. The streaming service will would have to pay them a nice chunk, maybe even more then the networks can afford because that's the thing right now. That's where the money is. The networks viewers are going down. The revenues are down and the money is flowing into places like Netflix where they can afford to pay for that and give the NFL even more money than networks did. And that's where you get, you know, why did Peacock do it? Peacock's is a fledgling uh, streaming service, but they're owned by NBC, which also does football games. But they're owned by NBC, so they've got some money to play with. But when you look at Amazon, you look at Netflix, those are those are independent companies, and that's where the real money is. 
So somewhere down the line, now that Amazon has their toe in there, they have a partnership with the NFL, and and Amazon is 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 ubiquitous today. Everybody has an Amazon account. Everybody practically, uh, you know, buy something on Amazon sometime during the week. So the fact that Amazon is in the NFL now, that they're playing in that game, I wouldn't be surprised if somewhere down the line, when we get more used to paying, just like we did with cable, we get more used to paying for what used to be free, the same thing here. We get used to paying for a for a for a football playoff game and we get used to then paying for perhaps a Super Bowl. Then do we get used to paying for the Academy Awards or the Grammys? And pretty soon free network television of having any prominent interesting compelling programming goes by the wayside. And our entire Entertainment viewing options are all pay for view in one way or the other through a streaming service or anything else. And I don't know if that's good. If I'm the NFL, I'm I look at this season, I go, well, we had a great game. You know, Kansas City won that playoff game that we charged people, you know, on Peacock for. Maybe next year we'll add two games, two playoff games on a streaming service. But here's where you get in trouble. For instance, what if, let's just say hypothetically, that this season the Super Bowl was on a streaming service. Let's say that this is five or ten years down the line, and that game was only available on a streaming service. The outcome was it was a great game. It was more than four hours long. It was dramatic. It went to overtime. Wow. If, if if you didn't buy that game, if you didn't have the streaming service or buy the rights to see that game, you would have been very upset, Whether even if you were a casual viewer of football or, or any sport, because you would have missed a major happening, if you will. You would have heard about it. You couldn't have seen it because either you couldn't afford it or because you didn't want to afford it. But suddenly you were outside of what was happening. And especially in today's world, we don't like that. We like to be inside. We like to be in the know on everything, right? But here's the thing. This is the great intangible. This is the wild card on this. You cannot ensure that, for instance, the football game, any game, but especially the Super Bowl, and in many ways, it it isn't. You can't ensure that the Super Bowl is going to be a great game. Even when two teams are in the Super Bowl, and they may even be evenly matched, for many of the Super Bowls, they're always one-sided. Many times the games are pretty much determined after the first half, sometimes after the first quarter. And so, yeah, if you paid twelve ninety nine to watch the Super Bowl and you got a game like this year's Super Bowl, you would say, hey, 
money well spent. Great game, great time. It was it was exciting. It was dramatic. It was everything a football sh- football game should have been. It was fantastic. That twelve ninety nine, I'm happy I paid it. But if there's another kind of game, which is just as likely, if not more, and history has proven that, where it's a blowout, where one team completely dominates the other, and the game by the first quarter is done, then there's backlash. Well, what the heck? I paid twelve ninety nine for this service to watch this game, and it was a horrible game. That was a waste of money. I'm not gonna. I'm not doing that next year. I don't care who's playing. That's that's a reality. You know, if you say I'm going to show you the the Godfather, okay, that's a known entity. You know, it's a good it's a good movie. So I'm, I'll pay for that. But any sporting event, we don't know the outcome. You're, you're you're paying for the expectation. You're paying for the hype. You're paying for the the hope that it's a good game. The NFL can't guarantee a good game. And that's where I think the the business model breaks down. The hunger for it by especially ravenous football and sports fans might justify one day paying for the Super Bowl as opposed for it to be free. It may justify the Academy Awards being paid for but when there's an entertainment option where the outcome isn't determined yet where it's unknown there's as much of a chance that it's not going to be good even maybe more of a chance that it's going to let you down than it's going to deliver if it's free, you say, well, it was, you know, it was a good game. When there was a bad game, it was whatever. But I had some friends over, and it didn't, it didn't cost me anything. But if I'm going to start paying for that Super Bowl every year, it better be a good game. And there's no way that the NFL can, can guarantee that. So I think the... The view, if you're the NFL, is streaming services and paying for these playoff games and is, is the way of the future. If the games are good, if, you're, if you are providing good games, but there's blowout games all the time, and if I, if I consistently start paying for games that are blowouts, then I'm going to get really mad really fast. And if you're going to charge me for the ultimate game, you charge me enough to watch, you know, all these different, you know, season pass games during the season. But I would think that the playoffs and the Super Bowl should still be free to everyone. For the casual fan as well as the diehard. But there's so much money to be made. There's so much interest in the NFL that I think Somewhere down the line, and maybe even not in the too distant future, we're going to see more playoff games in sports, not just football. Because once, if, it gets, if it's proven in football, then the NBA and baseball will do the same thing. And maybe the World Series will have, out of a seven-game series, maybe one or two games out of the World Series will be on a streaming service. 
And pretty soon, though, that communal experience of enjoying these games that we all had, for instance, this year, watching, if you watch the Super Bowl, will be gone. And it will certainly become then the Super Bowl and other things, not just sports, but other entertainment options, will become a victim of the have and the have-nots. And that's what's worrying me, is I think entertainment, we all need entertainment. We all, str- we, all, we all crave entertainment, whether it's sports, whether it's movies, whether it's TV, whatever it is. We all enjoy to be entertained by the types of uh, things that we, 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 uh, we enjoy watching. But the technology and the money, it seems to me, are taking precedence over the communal, the ability to have everyone be able to share in this stuff. More and more we're becoming a have and have not society. We always have been to a great extent, but it seems that we're getting more and more toward that. And when you start charging for the Super Bowl, I think you've taken a major communal, one of the last remaining communal entertainment experiences away from the people, then you're really beginning to to segment the society in many, many dangerous ways. So I hope the NFL takes a step back and realizes to ultimately put the Super Bowl on a streaming service would be a major fumble. And so ends another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Every Monday, a new episode is posted at WGNRadio.com or wherever you go to find your favorite podcast. We are there. And don't forget to tell your friends, tell your family, tell anybody who listens to a podcast that your favorite podcast is Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic, and it should be theirs too. Your loyalty and devotion are much appreciated. Hope you enjoyed episode number 404. I'm Jim Toronto. I ain't here on business. I'm only here for fun. You've been listening to Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. From the end of my mind to your ears.